You are listening to the Acquired Empires podcast with your host, Jacob Brown. The show where we bring on industry experts and real-time practitioners to discuss the tricks of the trade around buying online businesses. And now your host, Jacob Brown. I apologize for the audio quality here. I just recorded it when it was on my mind and I I used my phone for this recording. So that is my disclaimer before this episode and uh, hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, the topic for today is going to be sort of a frequently asked episode. So these are common business acquisition questions that have been asked to me either by businesses that are uh, business owners that are looking to sell or either at conferences when we did uh, when I held a roundtable, these were the top questions that we went over, um, and also in my investment group when we brought on new people, this was sort of the standard medley of questions that kept coming up again. So I thought it would be really helpful to beginners, to intermediate buyers, to just go over them here and sort of give my take on them. Um, my take is uh, one of you know moderate experience. I've been in. Uh, six deals so far uh, currently in what would be considered a mid-tier one um, and uh, currently managing that so that's where I'm coming from I've talked to over 300 uh, different businesses when looking to acquire and uh, yeah and and worked with some pretty experienced partners that have helped me along the way too and and helped develop these uh, these ideas so Let's get into these frequently asked questions. So one of the biggest things that comes up is uh, people talking about multiples. And just to uh, clarify, if you're a a real newbie, um, a multiple is which, um, how a business is valued. So um, it's usually based off of for most smaller businesses, it's based off of earnings and sometimes based off of revenue. Um, earnings is the net profit, the actual profit of the business, and revenue is the all the dollars it possibly brings in. So I'm going to be specifically talking about earnings um, when I talk about multiples because a business that grosses a million and makes $3 shouldn't be based off of that revenue, their value. So, um, so that, so that's what I use and that's what a lot of people use, um, the basing it off of the net profit. So that little description, um, so the multiples now for, um, and it, it varies. That's what people ask, what are the multiples? And I'm like, well, it varies, uh, per size of the business. That's the biggest factor and complexity of the business. <clears throat> so let's say, let's give some examples, some general rules of thumb for uh, up till this point, I think a couple of years ago, um, you could get um, businesses for under a two times multiple. That's, let's say if they make um, 50000 in profit every year, you could get it for um, under $100,000. So that ship has sort of um, sailed as of the last couple of years. The multiples now, even for smaller businesses, are 
pretty much clearly over two times. So we're looking at two to two and a half for, let's say, smaller businesses. And I classify smaller businesses as under $200,000 in total valuation. So, um, and that would be under $100,000 in net profit yearly. So we're, that's a, a pretty good thing for people just to start out with. You shouldn't be looking at, <laughs> looking for deals that are one times earnings. Um, those are not going to be on any marketplace and um, you can't really expect that anymore. From if, if you do see something like that, um, that should raise some red flags. Um, if somebody's selling something which they could just hold on to for a single year and make the same amount and keep the business, um, there is probably some serious issues and that is not a market norm. So that's um, for under $200,000 businesses. For over $200,000 businesses, we're creeping up into um, the three times multiples. Um, three to four is, is kind of standard. And then once you get over a, let's say, $20 million um, dollar valuation, big-time private equity firms go after those. So the multiples sort of... They go out the window, so it's, it's hard to place a firm number on those. And the thing to remember um, when doing any sort of these valuations, um, terms really affect um, whether you know, it's a good deal or not. So let's say, the, I'll give a real tangible example. Um, the last business, the largest one I've been in, um, it's at... Um, you would say in total valuations, it's six figures. Um, and the uh, multiple was over three, so that would be considered high um, for it. And But we were okay with that because we got really good terms. And terms means we only paid a portion of it down, and then the rest of it's paid out in uh, two years' time um, in the form of an earnout. And that's, I think, a lot of people don't, they look just directly at the ticket price or the top multiples or something like that, and they don't really consider the terms. So that's, that's something to always consider when judging whether a business is a good deal or not. So that's question number one um, that always comes up. What, like, can, the, it usually is phrased in, can I get a business for uh, one times earnings? And the answer is, not on any marketplace um, and if you do find it somewhere be wary um, and so the the days of um, two times multiple is honestly um, they're they're numbered also so if you get something around that um, consider it a good deal and uh, just go for it instead of nitpicking but that is um, I think the First thing, anybody getting into this field should sort of understand. Um, and then the second, always when you're ta when um, I'm talking with new people that want to, you know, are interested in buying, um, but haven't really started, or you know, they're they're just they've heard maybe a couple of podcasts like, hey, buying businesses is a future. Buy a website, get a ton of you know income just out of nowhere. <laughs> 
And so there, the one of the first questions is, how much money do I need to start out with? Or can I start out with zero dollars? And um, there's there's some factors into that. Um, for there's basically three categories that I like to that people usually fall into. Um, there's the number one category, which is I have zero um, to five k saved up, and I have no real, you know, real solid, stable income source. Like my job, if I do have one, is menial, and no real experience. So that's category one. Um, I call these the, you know, the, a, a young starter is a good um, category for them. And for those people, I say, no, <laughs> this is not, um, you can't, there's no easy way in for you into this field. You either have to go out and get a skill that's worth somebody to just pay you for anyways and leverage that, um, which is a, is a way to do it. And you usually, if you have a skill, um, sort of like, um, I'll use myself as an example, like in online marketing, that's, that's a skill that I had. And I used that to create profit sharing agreements with existing businesses. So that is a way to, um, with zero dollars, leverage into an ownership role into a business. And for that, I got a minority share. I wasn't buying out um, the whole company, which is usually the focus when people get into it. And it was just sort of a trading work for equity. And so that, for the young starter, that's usually the only option. You can't buy a business for um, <laughs> a couple thousand to five thousand that's going to really make a difference financially in your life, that you won't have to work at a regular job or anything like that. So that's uh, number one category. It's for the young starters, go get experience if you want to be in this, or raise up more money, which is the whole thing of go just just go get experience first because raising money uh, comes with strings attached, and if you're inexperienced, you might be taken advantage of in that fact, um, or you might be taking advantage of other people. So that's for number one. If they're under five k. Uh, this is not the field yet for you. Go go get some skills. Um, so the next group, um, if they're sort of a more serious person, um, in my mind, not that the other people weren't serious. These are more established. So these are, I would say, uh, mid-career people um, that have five to thirty thousand dollars saved away. And they've heard that this is a good investment opportunity. And so when I hear that, all sorts of red flags come up. And um, so it, it, it would seem like that's a good segue um, into this field of, you know, buying a smaller business and having it as passive income. But um, there's some major just inconsistencies without how the this field works and how that would go down. First of all, usually if they're in that in that situation, they have a full-time job that takes up most of their time. 
if if that's not the case and you have a lot of free time and looking to do you know another job's worth of work then you're not in this category but if you do have a full-time job and you do have let's say twenty thirty thousand dollars saved you can't buy a substantial enough business that it could support itself being passive for that small of an investment what you would be able to buy is a business that requires at least uh, you know part-time work to manage it to just maintain the business so that that is the the hurdle when somebody comes to me in that aspect I'm like I want to make sure to them this is not a passive endeavor um, so that's the, uh, if they think it is a passive endeavor, I'd say, nope, not a good category. You know, this field is not for you. You're going to have to put some work in it at that level of an investment. So that's the first two categories. Um, the second category that, you know, that are usually coming into this field is I have over 50,000 and, you know, that varies wildly. Um, you know, from 50 to 200, you know, something like that. I'm sort of in my, you know, the time in my life that I've, you know, worked long enough to save up. I've got some experience in, in different things. You know, some of them relate to online businesses, some of them don't. And I'm, I'm looking to transition into something else. And for those people, I'm like, yes, you, you sort of get it, but you should understand you're going to have to get your sleeves dirty again. Um, that's the big thing that uh, I see with somebody in that situation. They're ready to just dabble, and this is a whole new field to learn. So that is, that is a big thing that I like to flesh out before they get into it. It's like, okay... You're going to have to start at, I know there seems like there's a lot of similarities, but you're going to have to start at ground zero and put in some actual work um, before you're, you know, at a stable level again. So that's sort of the three categories of people that um, come in uh, sort of new to the field with different levels of investment um, and sort of the pitfalls that you have to watch out for for each of those categories. Um, so those are, those are just some conversations that I run into kind of frequently. Um, I, I work with an investment group, and when we're, you know, bringing in new people, um, those, are, those three ethoses show up a lot. Um, and it's, it would be nice to just point them right to this podcast and be like, hey, if you're in the... Uh, number three group, this is what you have to watch out for. If, or if you're in the number one group, you, you're not ready. And so um, that's, <laughs> this is a selfish reason for me to just jump, in the, jump into those categories and sort of break down so I'd have a resource later. Um, so that's, that's the first you know, starting capital multiple. So those are the big... Um, Big, you know, talking points for somebody that's first getting into it. Um, the next sort of talking point, and it's slightly frustrating um, as a person in the field. Um, it, it's like, so the the next question is, what is the best business type? Or phrased, is 
FBA or is AdSense or is affiliate the best business type? And it's like, if it was, we would all just be doing that. And so, um, so there's, there's, each has its pros, you know, and its cons. And there's ones, you know, the best business type, honestly, is a mix, a mixed version of all those. They have all of those. They're diversified. They don't um, rely on one platform for their traffic, their revenue. Um, so if if the business relies on just a single traffic source to get, uh, you know, users to the website or just a single revenue platform in which you get paid with those are highly vulnerable businesses and when you ask what is the best type you're assuming i should narrow down on one of those very specific business models that don't have a lot of diversity and that it just couldn't be more wrong so um, the best type is a diversified business i personally um, don't like a business that has over 30% of its revenue from any one place or over 30% of its traffic from any one place. And that's, I would consider, a very conservative um, approach to it. I know a lot of people that just, and if you have a specialty and you're dealing with a lot of deals, you can operate differently. But if you're dealing with a relatively few amount of deals, you know, you, you have to at least... Um, you, you you can't bet all your egg, <laughs> have all your eggs in one basket, in one metaphorical platform, or platform basket, I don't know. Um, so, th so a pure FBA business or a pure SEO-based business, um, when your Amazon account or the Penguin update or Panda update, those happen. Um, you can get really uh, hurt on those, and I, I really, I don't like when people get into something like this that could, you know, return quite a lot, but they make uh, just a rookie mistake of thinking there's only one good type of business, or that they should be just searching for this. So that's my little rant on what's the best business type. It's if you're asking that question, you might be. Um, <laughs> you might be inexperienced if you're asking that question. So that's that's um, just one point that I'd like to throw out there. Um, so after that little rant, um, the, the next couple of questions is zero money down. Now this personally, uh, are there zero money down deals? And this personally is something I am not experienced with. Um, I know... There used to be more plentiful deals that were zero money down, especially, um, let's say, off uh, uh, offline deals you know, that have a physical location where the market is very small to buy that business. So you would be the only buyer, so you get to make really good terms. Um, for online deals that um, are on a brokerage, that is... A unicorn's unicorn. Um, so yeah, that's it's not even uh, fanciful. It, like it, fanciful is is too generous of a term. Um, so th that's it's it's not really a thing. Although 
You can, I mean, I am not experienced with this, and I've talked with several people who are, and I hope to bring them on, but SBA loans can really um, help you leverage the capital you do have into much more, but, you know, it comes with much more red tape, which is something I always hate, so I, I've avoided, but hopefully we'll bring on some people that are well acquainted with, uh, you know, leveraging and using uh, loans and those sorts of stuff. And we'll both learn on that front. So that is for zero money down. I'm less acquainted with those. So hopefully we will, you know, learn together. Um, the next sort of entry level or newbie question that sort of that comes up rather often, and I've, you know, I've talked with people at conferences that were just getting their toes wet in this, is I have a deal that someone wants to sell me. Um, do you think it's a good deal? And this is coming from somebody who is not, the, the person saying this, this will be their very first deal. And I heard that, like I heard it, I kept hearing that over, you know, from multiple people, um, and I'm like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, um, there's, there's, in my mind, there, um, the whole deal maker process of buying and selling a business or buying or running a business or growing it is it's 50%, uh, 50% of the process is due diligence and finding the deal. 50% of the process is transitioning the deal. And then 50% of the process is running the deal. And so that's, if any math nerds, that's over, over 100%. So um, it, it's more than anyone should, uh, should be, you know, just trying their very first time. They should be bringing in people that are experts, have done these deals before, and you're um, just because you found a deal and somebody wants to sell you a business does not mean you are in any, you know, have any right to go after that deal. Um, it's just, it's going to, there's, there's so many things like it's, it's not even worth listing off all the things because I know I would miss a hundred, um, different aspects you could do wrong. Um, so you should, my advice when somebody comes into the world with a deal, already sort of set up, um, of, comes into the world of buying businesses, I'm, I'm always hesitant to say, yes, uh, go for that, because usually the deal's not as great as it seems. Um, there's a reason they're wanting to offload it, and if they're looking to offload it to an inexperienced person, they're either... Um, either st stupidly uh, benign or they're malicious with it in this in the fact of they don't understand that selling it to an experienced person would save them headache or they're looking to sell it to somebody who doesn't really know what's going on so they can get more money or they're they can offload a dud to them so that's my take I think I um, might have a lot of people that disagree with me on that one um, but that's a surprisingly common enough question um, that I thought I'd just answer it in this little uh, question run that I'm doing for the episode here. Um, the 
last little question that it's it's less of a question and more of just a mentality that's I think pretty um, incorrect in this field from entry level people coming in um, is can these things be passive and most people view passive as a <laughs> savings account style passive or a uh, buying a 401k uh, passive where they literally they sign the papers that they bought the business and then they like check in quarterly just to see how much money they've made um, for something like that to happen you have to have a management team in place to run these things because these uh, these businesses are anything even the most smallest ones, they're anything but passive. They're almost living entities that need to be nurtured and guided and uh, sort of led in the right direction. And if there's, you know, they'll, they're like big bumbling sheep. They'll go find a spot to go die in if you're not watching them. Um, that's, so many people think that um, they, they, these online businesses, because you can log in and just look at the Google Analytics, um, that these are sort of, you know, these are built to be passive. But for, for in that same light, like so many things need to be, you need to understand, like, is your traffic strategy going to become obsolete in the next couple of months? Is your um, revenue model, whether that be like Amazon affiliate is a good example of a big one, or uh, Google AdSense, are you going to be hit or taken off? Or if you're a dropshipping company, is your manufacturer going to uh, change some policy or something like that? And if you're not having, you know, somebody with a hand on the wheel almost constantly, you wouldn't even know about these things that are changing. And this is kind of the case for almost all the businesses. Um, a lot of them seem like the little ones, let's say a little app that runs off of, you know, if you if it, it runs off of SEO ranking or Google search, um, it, that's how it obtains traffic. And um, it, it, it just, you know, it, it seems like just a little machine that pumps out AdSense dollars and it's pretty consistent and pretty everything like that, that that would need um, a lot of, you know, attention. And it, it probably doesn't need attention to, uh, you know, maintain it, but you should have um, a firm understanding of that world and why you're getting that traffic in the first place. And a uh, real-time data is the most valuable thing in the world. And if you're... Just have, you know, have it out there with, with no eyes on the new current trends or anything like that. Um, eventually that business is going to, you know, something's going to shift in it and it's going to break. So that's just a big pet peeve of mine um, that people think that this, just because it's online, I think a lot of too many pictures of the beach um, when selling online courses has sort of got people in this mentality um, that these things are supposed to be passive and it's they have to be managed 
Um, and they're, they're not a stock that you buy and just, you know, watch it. But in the same lens, they have much higher rates of return. And there's a reason for that. So that is my final closing rant. Um, passive. This, these things aren't passive. And um, if, if you think they are, and that's why you're getting into it, I would say, um, I would say get out. <laughs> this is no place for you. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that will sell you a course that, you know, that would happily take you. And so that's, that's my sort of mantra for this, um, podcast that you'll, you'll probably be hearing, uh, more often than not. So if, if that's your viewpoint, you, you might be in for a rough ride. So that's, um, those are my questions that I'd like to, I just wanted just to dive into. Um, that's, uh, I think this wraps up the episode. I've got uh, some pretty good experienced people that I'm looking forward to talking with, um, coming on for the next episode. Um, so this should be fun and, uh, I look forward to talking more with you.